Welcome to the Sports and Torts Podcast, your go-to podcast for entertaining conversations on sports, law, and business. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, here is your host, Joshua Stein. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special and what has turned out to be an annual type of episode here at Sports and Torts. We said we would get back together this year when the dogs repeated as champs and we are true to our words. We are running back our Sports and Torts UGA National Championship Roundtable podcast with my mates, my boys, Sean Traub, Robert Unell, Lawrence Kessler, and Jason Gans. Before we get into the game, I do want to stop and just mention the terrible tragedy of this last week with the passing of UGA player Devin Willick and UGA recruiting staffer Chandler LaCroix. We are sending all of our prayers out to the families and for all involved. So from all of us at Sports and Torts, thoughts and prayers to these families. Gentlemen, it's been a mixed emotion type of week with that in Athens for sure, but couldn't be back here sitting here at, uh, at the table with all of you guys as back-to-back national champions. We said it all year. It's great to be a Georgia Bulldog, and it's great to be the king. Lawrence? It is good to be the champs, man. Happy to be back and doing this again. Like you said, it's an annual event. Sean? Pretty amazing to be back-to-back champs. Uh, didn't think this day would come. Excited to be here with y'all tonight. Excited to be here. Didn't think it, I would see one, much less two. And then finally back-to-back and, and with a lot of momentum leaning towards a program that's got a lot more, hopefully, in their future. Josh? It's expensive to be the king. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's expensive to be the king. <laughs> sometimes you play hurt, but being the king... You got to do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. All right. Well, let's, Sean, I want to start with you because we get on you all the time about the amount of time that you spend on the dog vent with recruiting, with just gossip. And it's something that you're very passionate about. True. So all this time, all this effort you put in, you're now a back-to-back champion. Tell us how you feel. feel vindicated for all these years of, uh, as my kids say, I look at it more than like they look at Instagram and TikTok. They're like, you're always on that UGA thing. Um, Exodios? Um, but yeah I think you know over the years it's always been fun to me to kind of watch the kids you know who were recruiting watch them develop and see you know how it's played out and it's kind of funny that the person who led us to -to back-to-back champs was a two-star walk-on so I'm not sure all my uh, time really paid off and and then that aspect but um, it was pretty awesome and I I think this year was very different for us because I feel like when we were in Indy there was sort of that nervous energy. Can we actually get over the top? And I think we all kind of felt pretty good that this is going to be another, another title for us. It was a four-hour party in SoFi yeah. Stadium. It was awesome. Well, Lord, Lord, how do you feel January 18th sitting here? You know, um, I tell my kids, let's sit back. Let's enjoy the ride because we are indeed in the glory days of Georgia football. Um, and I don't really see an end in sight right now. I think with what we have – over the next couple of years and the recruits that are being mentioned and coming down the pipe. And as long as Kirby wants to continue doing this, I don't see any reason to uh, quote LeBron James, not three, not four, not five. We're going to keep this thing going, boys. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. It's build, build the machine and keep it oiled and running. And yeah, you may have to replace a few parts here and there, but once it's up and going, um, it's going to be hard to stop. It's Bob Matic. That's correct. Yeah, Lawrence summed it up right. Enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. You never know when it's going to end. We definitely have the war wounds over the years, but this is, we're at the top of the mountain. We are the king. It, uh, you know, all that hatred we always had for Alabama all those years, more than that jealousy, 
that's where we are right now. So enjoy it. You never know what will end. And uh, three for three. So we were all there at Indy last year. The, the mood, the tone leading up to that week and that game, I believe, I feel, was different than the mood and the tone leading up to this week. So, Jason, tell me, like, what was your headspace kind of after we beat Ohio State? We've already talked about that game. We're going to rehash it. But, like, the 10 days leading up to the game, like, how were you feeling going into this game as compared to last year versus Alabama? Sure. Last year's anxiousness. Can we get over the hump? Can we beat Alabama? Could David slay Goliath? Right. I don't think that's really a, a good expression, but in, in the, the mind of the, the beaten down, right? That, that's what you think. This year, did anyone at this table ever have a doubt that we were going to lose that game? No. No, nobody. I don't think anybody did. This was, uh, let's just not screw it up, right? Let's enjoy ourselves. We're going to enjoy Southern California, sunny Southern California. <laughs> but old uh, God had different plans for us on the weather there. Well, let's discuss that. We were all, well, Robert, unfortunately, you could not make the trip to California. Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about your experience through the TV. But for us that were there, Sean, Lawrence, Jason, me, um, it rained the whole damn time, like you said. I mean, the 100 year storm. The 100 year storm. I mean, yeah. Wild. Um, nonetheless, though, we had a great time. Sean, talk about what we did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all got in there a little bit different times on Sunday. Um, I rode to the airport with you two, took separate flights. That was strategic on there. And then, and, and then uh, met the house like six minutes later. I mean, it was ridiculous. But I think the, that night, Sunday night, we enjoyed uh, Hermosa. Um, that night actually didn't rain. So we went to a couple bars and restaurants. And it was, had a little more dog vibe that night. Uh, Jason and I had a nice run on the beach in the rain on uh, Monday morning kick off the day. Hasselhoff style. Yep. Yeah, there were no uh, shirts. No shirts. It was, it was wet and some hugging. Yeah, like Apollo and Rocky. Yeah. Uh, but Monday was fun, right? I mean, we, we still went to the bars. It was 90% TCU uh, at Hermosa Beach. At least that's what it felt like. They were all dressed up, and that was like, you know, their prom. They um, hypnototed us. They hypnototed us. They hypnototed you. Yeah. Okay. The girls were decked out. The guys had all their uh, Fiesta Bowl gear on. And we had fun meeting them, but we also knew we were going to kick your ass in about four hours. So let's have fun now. <laughs> they were cute. The TCU fans were cute. Yeah. Well, the their ones, gear, their gear was great. You know, they had the shirts game. that said, "I'm horny." Uh, man, horny. I, man, I like frogs. Let's get horny. I have the pictures. Yeah. Uh, yes. The difference between pregame this year and last year, besides the 50 degree temperature swing, was you know in Georgia, Alabama, you get a bunch of you know liquored up Southern people who all they care about is football, and and they think you know we think they're rivals. So there's some animosity before the games. There was no animosity before. I didn't see anybody acting like an ass before the game. Everybody was having a good time. Only TCU out, people only after after a little bit, but the TCU folks were just happy to be there. I think in the back of their mind, this is the game they played. We're just happy to be here. Now if they won, we never would have heard the end of it. And they lose, they've got that that built in card. So that. that that was sort of the, the atmosphere before. Well, they were supposed to finish seventh in their own yeah. conference. And yeah. Josh and I definitely learned how to do the uh, knuckles, knuckles down. down. Yeah. It's really yeah. just a peace sign and you yeah. bend it. There. It's, the, it's the three <laughs> fingers. They teach a class for that. Yeah, you're, you're not fluting gang signs here or anything. <laughs> it wasn't easy for me. So I felt like the, the TCU fans were awesome. Um, like mm -hmm. you said, they were happy to be there. I think the football team looked like they were just happy to be there too. <laughs> right. um, but the fans had a blast. There was no, you know, smack talking. Everybody was getting along really well. We went to we went to uh, Shaw Minu went into that 2022 class of 22 graduation. <laughs> yeah, it was all TCU people. We yeah. walked in and they were like, "Cool, yeah, don't know what you're doing here. Yeah. Why are you here?" We made a couple of birds flick. Then we did the little uh, knuckles down. Everybody was real excited, you know, for us to be in there for that. Everybody would take pictures of us doing yes. the, the. Yeah, yeah. The TCU fans were great. 
in terms of stress, I think I said this after the game. I think I've been more stressed at G Day games than I was going <laughs> to this game. I think we knew it was going to be a beatdown. I just don't know if anybody ever thought it would be a fifty-eight point. Nobody game. did. No. Nobody did. I'm pissed at myself because initially I kept saying we're going to win by thirty. We're going to win by thirty. Then when we did the preview, I you know my sphincter shrunk a bit, and I I think I picked twenty-four or seventeen, and I'm mad at myself that I didn't stick to my convictions. But I'm pretty sure go big or go home. You should have. I thought I said we're going to win by sixty-nine points. But we did not, but we got close to that. Could have Robert. What was your viewing situation? Uh, I was at home. Uh, I unfortunately had a work event that I had to be at early the next day out of town. So instead of going down there that evening to Miami, uh, I decided I'd watch it at home. Uh, it was surreal. Uh, I will say is, is you know, being able sitting there watching it, one, Kevin, the family there was great. But even at home was amazed at, to see what was going on and to hear the announcers, to hear you know, Herb Street sitting there saying, you know, yeah, there's yeah, this team at halftime. They better watch out, TCU, but not Georgia. Watch out, TCU. Better watch out because they're not taking their foot off the gas. And then when Kirby said that one word, yeah, aggression, self, aggression. That was like I, I texted everybody that I knew that was at the game, and I was like, they, these guys got the right mindset, and it was go. That um, might that might have been the play of the game. Just Kirby's interview yeah. with Holly Rowe. And I will say time. that even when it went ten seven, I was kind of like, yeah, you know. They didn't out-athlete us. We're not going to make that mistake twice, and they're going to have to score a lot more. There's going to have to be a lot more blown coverages to do that. So you mentioned play of the game, and I said this to you at the time. I think the play of the game was that very first offensive snap from yeah. TCU. The false start. And the false start. Yeah. It was almost like they were like, oh, crap, now we actually have to play this game. Like we're lining up against these guys, and the crowd's going crazy. And the minute they jumped, I looked at you, we sat together, yeah. and I said, I think this is over. And then the next two plays or three plays, we've all rewatched it. Like there was a, a lane for Duggan to throw. He missed those passes and he was off. The game was over. Yeah. He was rattled. You could tell from watching television now after the fact, like knew what to look for, not the first time. They were definitely that threw them off their cadence. I think they probably had plays scripted and that just kind of threw them totally out of balance. That being said, we, we had three bad plays the entire game. Our own false start. The blown coverage for the 60-yard pass play and the missed extra point that would have made it 66-7. to Other than that, like that was a, a repeat of the Oregon game where it was like a perfect game. We, yeah. had a, we had a defensive holding on third and super long, and then they fumbled the next play. That's right. Yeah. Josh and I were sitting next to each other, and we had pretty good seats. And you could humble, humble brag. Humble brag. Uh, and you humble could say they were great seats. They were great seats. Let's be honest. Yeah. They were great seats. And, and humble the thing brag you want. Looking at, well, first of all, you could see how much bigger we were than them. And I'm like, oh, shit. This, <laughs> this looks like you know varsity versus faster. JV. But second thing that we kept saying, and we were saying it to our TCU neighbors, was – they better not go side to side. Side to side is a loser. Uh, and, and they kept trying to go side to side, and we were outrunning them. We're like, this is not – it's going to be a long night for them. And they tried that on the first one or two possessions. Hey, can you can you refresh my memory? How many uh, catches and yards did their stud receiver Quentin have? Quentin Johnson went one for three. He was the first pass of first the game. First pass the game. Well, yeah. on a side note real quick, when Josh and I did sit down, we introduced ourselves to all of our neighbors – we explained to them what our behavior was going to be like that night and told them they could either embrace it or they're going to have an issue. Section 116. 106. No, it was, it was, it was oh, C-116. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was amazing. Yeah, like you said, it was, it was a party. It was a, it was a 60-minute game time, four-hour, five-hour, really, yeah. just celebration. How, how long did the TCU fans stay? It was so our, our funny that you asked. There was, there was a continual um, exodus 
you know, one by one. And so when that happened, we'd call one of our friends, we'd call Lawrence, we'd call Sean, and they'd come down and take their seats. So by the end, all of us were sitting in that yeah, second. So were, did they head to the bars afterwards? No, did they y'all see them afterwards, or did they no, tuck they their tail and go home? They didn't yeah. tuck their tail. They were just like, yeah, hey, guys, see a good like, game. Like, we're going to go drink cheaper beer somewhere else? Yeah, I'll so be honest, <laughs> after the game, by the time we got back to, like, Hermosa Beach, like, we had to find a guy who opened up his pizza place for us. He basically was red closed. And he read, and red said, I'll open it up for you winners. So mm-hmm. he reopened the pizza place, but we didn't see anybody else. You know, yeah, we, yeah. Sean and I were in 212, kind of corner of the end zone of the Georgia painted end zone. Really good seats as well. But yeah, at halftime, we're like, let's head down to 116 and let's just, let's, let's ring this thing in with a bang. Um, those are really, really good seats. Yeah, we were in the corner of the end zone. We're right, on the goal line. On the goal line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right where, um, McConkey yeah. caught a touchdown and, and Mitchell where Eddie Mitchell got a touchdown. They were like right in our laps. It seemed like the entire game yeah. action was, was right that, there was that in that, that corner, yeah. um, which is great. So talk about memorable plays like uh, uh, Robert, what are some plays that jumped out to you that, that, that you know, Georgia executed on? I mean, I would say I think that just impressive all around. I mean, I don't think that there was one necessarily that stuck out, but there were several plays where it just looked like Munkin was, was playing – chess and they were playing checkers. I mean, just, and I'm not saying that that that's from watching the replay and listening to the announcers, just the reads that were made. And I think it was a perfectly called game yeah. you know, about from the coaching staff too. So you know, there's not one thing I look at, but like they utilized every tool from Bowers to McCong. I mean, yeah, it was pretty unbelievable to see. It was almost as if they just knew they had, they had stuff left in the tank that they hadn't needed all year. And they're like, you know what? Let's just keep pulling it out. And it was one after another. Yeah, I thought the uh, the touchdown in the first quarter to McConkey that was the best play. Where, where, where you know the safety, uh, what Tomlinson had to make a choice: am I going to get McIntosh or am I going to get McConkey? And, yeah. and either way, he was wrong. And there was a uh, touchdown. Yeah, yeah it was going to be a touchdown. Um, defensively, I mean, uh, you know, Javon Bullard obviously was a defensive MVP with two interceptions and didn't play in the second half in the football career. He he got hurt, but, uh, Bear Alexander was a beast. Jalen Walker was a beast. The first series of the game, Smile Munden, I think had two tackles for a loss to start the game. Like everyone played awesome. Warren Brinson was living in the backfield all game. He played a lot because everybody did. They, uh, they tried to bring Larry in the game. Yeah. Just, they didn't have his cleats. I was coming in after Branson Robinson. Yeah. So there was still time left. Yeah, I mean, I agree the loud McConkey play right. was pretty amazing because, like, first of all, it came right at us, and it was, yeah. like, so wide open. We're like, oh, God, hit him. But, yeah, when you watch the replay, you're like, how's he so open? Well, Kay McIntosh came on the wheel route underneath, and the guy covered that yeah. and left Lad I mean, open. He got that many touchdowns and that many sacks and whatnot, and he got more touchdowns on the other team that has – First down, it's exact really same amount. Yeah, it's really hard to point to one play. I also, I also thought Darnell was awesome too. He only had one, out there one catch, but yeah. you could tell he was in pain, and he was out there chipping people, well, blocking people. He had that one catch he wanted to I take. Mean, if you watch him, few of us played hurt. Watching <laughs> him is unbelievable. Like just to like on a just any play, just keep your eyes on him to see the effort that that guy gives and down the field and picking up the player because he's usually already put uh, a second guy blocked on his ass and so he's next to his teammate picking him up and that's just go time. Well, it's pretty you know, this is probably the first game we really targeted Brock Bowers from the get-go. And you say he's unstoppable. It didn't matter what they were going to do to cover him. He could have gone for 200 yards had we kept on targeting him, you know, and got been the first thousand-yard receiver we had since Terrence Edwards. Brock would 40 be yards, 40 yards short. With the exception of one or two tight ends in the NFL, he, he's the best tight end in football. And he's got to play college for another year. It's awesome. It's, and I was talking to my TCU buddies and a couple of buddies went to Oklahoma, and they're like, this guy is a freak. 
Like, it's a shame that he's got to come back and play another well, year. Well, you know what's even going to keep him going? Not for us, he's not going to have Washington, but he's got Delt and he's got Sperlin, and he has all these other guys that can play that role. I mean, we saw what Delt did, who's not nearly as physically sized, but, I mean, he filled in unbelievably for, for Washington on that blocking, that majority blocking role as the second tight end. So and I'll tell you in about three weeks we're going to have Deuce Robinson the number one recruit in the country, five-star, to that tight end room as well. If anyone is a Falcons fan here, honestly, today, as a 118, would you rather have Kyle Pitts or or uh, Brock Bowers? I mean, can Brock Bowers play quarterback too? Because I'll take it. In that position. I would rather have Brock Bowers. All day long. No yeah. question. Bob, you mentioned Munkin, and we all love Jam Coffee, his 12 takeaways. I think the guy's great. Um, he called it the long con. He called yeah. it Munkin's long con, which yeah. was his way of saying that for, for 14 weeks – Munkin was just kind of toying with everybody. Him and Kirby, like they knew what they had. They used what they needed to get by each game. He, you know, the Kentucky games, like we're going to run the ball because we have to run the ball. And I don't care if we win by one point or four because yeah. to your point, we're the Kings and yeah. we can do that. And then this last game, he's like, to hell with it all. Let, it. Let's just empty it. And, yeah. I, and, and you heard some people say there was still like half the book left. Yeah. Why, don't throw, don't throw an ace when, when, you know, seven will, will, will win the hand, right? Like, there were no trick plays. He's not a man of many words though. I don't know if y'all have seen his press conferences, but I don't need him to talk. I need him to be thinking and, and, and calling plays. We've talked all year about the coaching staff and how this is the best coaching staff that's been assembled. And I think it's played out in all of these games. I mean, Schumann and Coach Boom and Munkin and all these guys. I mean, it's just amazing. You're going to leave Bobo well? <laughs> well, that's, that's for Sean's benefit. He's the analyst. <laughs> um, but, yeah, think about all the new guys we added to staff this year, right? I mean, Coach Fran Brown was brand new. McClendon. Dreeby's new. McClendon was new. You know, Stacey we, we, Searles. we lost Lanning. You know, usually you lose your defensive coordinator. You take a step back. There was no step back at all. And I think as long as Kirby's there, we'll probably never take a step back on defense, right? I mean, that's always he. That's going to be his baby. Well, but you lost five first round picks on the defensive side of the ball. I think we did. Listen, the defense wasn't as dominant last year, twenty twenty one. The identity of the team is the defense. Alabama scored eighteen points against us in the national championship game. This year, the defense wasn't only gave, as gave up seven. <laughs> right, right. The defense wasn't as good this year, but they were good enough, right? And, yeah, they let, uh, they let up too many big plays for, yeah. for that. But I think all in all, physically, they were as gifted. Yeah. I just don't think that they play. They, they were missing that one little click every now and then where somebody would miss a coverage where the linebackers they, couldn't play in coverage this year like they did. In, in, well, we also were missing. And we didn't yeah. have, we didn't so. have the edge rusher. That we've had in the past, right? When Nolan Smith went down, we really That's, took a took a drop off the edge there. I don't know. Those guys picked it up and and when it counted though. I felt like watching Jalen Carter was more dominant than watching Jordan Davis. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's a three-down lineman. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Carter to me has been the most disruptive defensive player that we've ever had. At least in recent memory. He's gonna look good in the Bears. He got, he, I mean, he he he's a, he's a Stroud Seymour type, which which was very similar, disruptive, and look at the careers those guys had in the NFL, but I mean, that's the sort of, you know, talent that I think that he has to be is, 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 you know, Travis Stroud or Richard Seymour. Speaking of, I thought it was really cool. Marcus, Marcus, Stroud. Marcus Stroud. When, when wow, Kirby, was, when Kirby cool. did the curtain call for Stetson and then followed up with a curtain call for Chris Smith, uh, Jalen Carter, um, Nolan Smith got pushed out there. Who else, who else got called? Keely. 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 And there's one other person, I think. Maybe that was it. No, uh, the curtain cool. calls were awesome. It I was thought, like, Beale, yeah. Robert Beal come on. Hey, you got timeouts. You can't take them with That's you. Right. Well, it's funny because they, they had to give time to let those guys get snacks from the uh, owner suite of the 50 yard line. To the party point, I remember when they did the curtain call for Stet. Yep. 
when I rewatched the game, so I saw the curtain call for the defense. I think we were buying Pacificas at the bar at that point. Well, the, agreed. The, I don't remember the curtain call. The, for the, the second half, the second half was much less about watching the game because it was a foregone conclusion. It was more of just like celebrating where we were at. It was yeah. you said it was a coordination, right? And so like we all had to go back and rewatch. It was must half. watch TV. We kept like, looking no, at each other. Going, Holy home, shit! There's 15 minutes was, left. Of this like, game. like oh my god! There's so 15 minutes left. So I, didn't, I didn't leave the television at home. Where was I going? I mean, yeah. you know, it was like all right. I'm staying. Your Pacificas were by your feet. We had to walk. <laughs> Lawrence, you're locked into the game. Like, what are you feeling when this when the second half is just proceeding on, and we know that the game's over? I mean. I was half paying attention, knowing I'd watch it again when I got home. I mean, we were hanging out, we were high fiving everybody. We were we're in the club level for a little while. Yeah, trying to first of all trying to navigate SoFi to get from two twelve down to one sixteen took an engineering degree yeah. and a tour guide. You were uh, there off repelling. I had to keep hitting the blue button, asking people like, yeah. "How do you, how did you direct me downstairs to the escalator?" But you didn't text help. Yeah, no, whatever. <laughs> I, I was you feeling to, I needed to seek assistance because I was feeling discomfort because I got lost. Um, but SoFi is, I mean, it's a really, really nice stadium. It's just a pain in the ass to navigate. Uh, but in terms of that, once we made it down to 116, it was like another round of beers. Let's celebrate. Who's scoring a touchdown now? Like, I didn't realize Branson Robinson scored two Twice. touchdowns yeah. until the car ride home. Yeah. Well, there was no stopping him. Well, what I was going to say, what, it's not very often in a national championship game, you get a preview of your next year's team for a whole quarter. I mean, that's what we saw with Carson Beck and Branson Robinson. And we saw, like you said, you know, Bear Alexander out there and uh, Jalen Walker out there, just guys who didn't have maybe have as big of a role during the regular season. You got to see with their skill and say, you know, did you see why you don't think you're going to miss much of a beat next year? Did you see the clip of Max Duggan after he got sacked one time, mouthing to his lineman, I'm getting sacked by the effing backups? I didn't see that. <laughs> I did not see that. But, is he really? Yeah. I did see Sonny Dykes one time just go, wow. Yeah. And I can't remember what play what happened, but he, all he did was say, what? I, I think our backups would have won, would have won that game, they too. They would have. 100%. I mean, it wouldn't have been a 50-something point game, but we would have 100%. Uh, well, they, they, won they, the, they won it, what, 14 to nothing? I mean, what was, with our backups in, 14 to nothing? In the second half. Uh, uh, or the, more than the, that? The ESPN Game Day podcast with Reese Davis and Pete Thamel, they were doing their twenty or way too early 2023 playoff picks. And Reese Davis said, my playoff picks are Georgia, Georgia's second string, Georgia's recruiting class, <laughs> and Georgia's transfer portal pickups. Well, that's I, the next day we called Bob and uh, Josh, Lawrence, and I were, we were in a car, and I said, Robert, how the hell did they keep the game interesting in the second half? What were they talking about? Their fantasy football team? I mean, they, like their kid really project at school? There was a lot of talk about, you know, like said, these young guys at Georgia, but there was some praise to TCU. They were trying to soften it a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah. They got, I said, you deserve they, an Emmy if you could soften that. I mean, it, I mean, it was an ass kicking, but they did talk about going out drinking in Santa Monica. So there, yeah. there, there is, I will say, you know, I've talked to a lot of folks that are not Georgia or TCU fans. Not a whole lot of them, unless they had the over or under, was really tuning in after that game very much. I mean, no, the ratings, I mean, unless, unless the, ra- the ratings are pretty, hard, yeah, yeah, I mean, the ratings are pretty so, you know, they, they had a captive audience, at least of those that were listening. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I was just so excited. I didn't care what they were saying. Sure. So, so it's interesting. My TV, because I wanted to watch it again, taped the Pat McAfee version. Oh, I've instead. seen that version. So, you know, that was kind of interesting to watch. I mean, the, the sound quality the, isn't great, but, you know, those guys trying to keep it interesting. And they're like WWE announcers, you know, trying to get excited. And you could tell they're just like, there's not much we can do. Georgia themselves. fans were the only people that were enjoying watching that game. Yeah. And I actually did at one point try to turn on the ESPN fan cast, which was Scott Howard calling Whoa. the game. 
Which, you know, yeah, I heard, but at that point I was willing to just, you know, we had to change things up a little bit. How about ESPN Deportes? But I did not. Honky, I was like, Get on but, donkey. but that was, the feed was two or three seconds season. behind. And so I was getting text messages with things wrapping. And so I had to abandon Scott Howard, which was fine, and go back to the other telecast. But the McAfee telecast was really good. Uh, to watch and repeat, and SEC Inside did a phenomenal job. Yeah, there's nothing worse than when you're watching something on delay and you're getting text messages. Sean, we always laugh, his cable's like the fastest in town. He'll hit something like boom or crap or something like, wait, nothing's happened yet. Yeah. Dude, slow down. I won't get an Uber XL, but he's got highest <laughs> speed internet that we so got. So you mentioned SoFi a little bit as a venue. Whoever wants to, to speak like about the experience of, of going to SoFi and that place as a, as, as a host. Yeah, so I mean, we uh, Jason was very nice to arrange the Sprinter van for us. So I think getting there was real easy. Humble, we had a, right? we had a great time driving down there. We got dropped off pretty close to the front, but this thing's huge. Like Lawrence and I had the wrong entrance just to like walk around the building took a while, and then we were on uh, the two hundred level, and you just can't walk a loop around it to go around. You have to either go up an elevator or down an elevator. So it was very difficult, I thought, to maneuver around the place. And then when we finally came to the all section, it was raining inside a $5 billion building. I mean, true. They have a roof on it with rain coming inside. I was amazed to see it was raining on television. I I didn't know that it was designed. I knew it was open around the sides. But I thought for sure you put a roof on a $5 billion thing. It's got to be waterproof. You know what that day was? People were falling, slipping and falling because of the wet floors inside the sofa. That day was Atlanta. That was LA's version of Atlanta snowmageddon. <laughs> People were sleeping on interstates. We went out the night before to get beers and, and waters for our Airbnb, and we we're just talking to the Uber driver. He's like, "You better get the transportation tomorrow, dude." He's like, "Nobody works." He's like, "I'm not working tomorrow." So that was when we went back and ordered a. So like, when it rains here, like drivers oh, shut like down to drive. It's like it's like when you have it's like when you have snow flurries here. Cancel school. Cancel everything. I'll cut them a little bit of slack because it was like a hundred year storm. And, you know, I don't think the $5 billion stadium or $5 billion, what gazebo, Nobody gazebo cut Atlanta slack when they had a hundred year ice storm. Hey, well, listen, all I know is we've been to three national championship games. We had an ice storm. We had single digits. And now we had a hundred year storm. So I don't know yeah. what we're preparing for in Houston next year. Whatever, whatever plague is coming next, y'all be ready. And Thank think, God it's not hurricane season. And I think $17 for Pacifica might be the most expensive year I've seen in the state. They were, 20, 20, they were 24 ounces. Not when everybody else is buying them for you. I, was gonna, <laughs> I, was, I don't think it was a bad deal. I mean, that was 24 ounces of beer for $17. Yeah. That's about not every, right. Not everywhere's Mercedes-Benz that has, has fan-friendly pricing. Me and Jason's sure. section was the most generous section of all time. I don't think I took my credit card out one time. Maybe, you maybe one time. My, I did a few my, times. My med school mate was in your, your med, well, med there, school mate. There's med some med stories that are you're gonna have to go on your OnlyFans page about people buying drinks in that section. <laughs> All I can say is the mood was everybody was just partying, having a good time. Whoever was walking up at the time came back with an armful of. The guy behind us had a, a baby. His wife had a baby. Tell that story. The guy behind us starts crying, and, and I'm like, "What's the matter, dude?" You know, I figure he's emotional about George. He's like, "My wife just gave birth," and I was like. <laughs> What are you doing here? I'm like, boy or girl? He's like, girl. He's like, I'm like, what's the name? He's like, Caroline. And I started crying. That's my uh, first. And I was a little, I had about 400 ounces of Pacifico at that point. I too. look back and I see these two grown men <laughs> hugging each other, crying. And I'm like, well, they're excited what about that. What city was this wife in? Atlanta. Yeah, somewhere on the East Coast. Good. Hey, Bob, 
spoiler alert, that dude came home to change locks. Oh, yeah. That that's that's a great story. Like, those are the sort of things, like, you hear about, like, yeah, there's no way. All right, I'll, I'll give you one, one quick. Alert. His wife is not Jewish. I'll, 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 I'll give you one quick tease here. So he was there with a partner, and the guy was, he was a nice guy, but but pretty uh, blue-collar, let's say. Um, I think he owned a roofing business, pretty wealthy. And he was buying his drinks all, all first half, and he was a bit obnoxious, but but a nice guy nonetheless. The second half, he wasn't there. And the guy just had a baby. I said, I'm going to go buy you a drink. You just had a baby. He said, no, no, no. I got my friend's credit card. He kept buying his drinks on his friend's credit card. I didn't realize this. His, the roofer got into a fight and got thrown out. Got and the guy with the baby right. kept the credit card and was just ringing that thing up. That's exactly right. So last year in Indy, I think we all had tears of joy from like, you know, the 40, breaking the 40-year streak, winning a national championship. This year, Gans is hugging a stranger crying because they had a baby during the yeah. middle of the game. Nate, 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 Nate Caroline. So we're two for two with tears coming from Big Red. Yeah. We, we are uh, 27 minutes and 45 seconds and counting in. And guess whose name has not been brought up yet? Stetson Bennett. Stetson and Bennett. Who wants it? Who wants to take this one? I'll, I'll start it, and I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Uh, he played fantastic this season. He This season was probably the best Big game quarterback when you needed him to step up and nut up. And uh, so thank you for your service. Yeah. Um, Stetson Bennett is going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks in college football history. One of the most decorated quarterbacks in college football history. I don't know if you heard this or not, but he was a walk-on and he transferred and he came back. And, and he's 25. And he's 25. Yeah, but he never played uh, Little League Baseball at uh, the home run in uh, the Williams Sports. Yeah. You know, and he's not eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame. Um I'm a fan of Stetson. I know his media and his interviews at the celebration uh, were not taken too kindly and uh, all that good stuff. But listen, dude came out, played like a Heisman Trophy winner this year, played like a national champion, and he's a two-time back-to-back national championship quarterback. So go Stet. So I will say I think there was a huge difference in his skill level last year. Totally. Last year we, we won with him. Yeah. Um, this year he won. I mean, really, start from the Oregon game, he's been on all season. I you know, agree. he had small moments, but the sack he had on in that fourth quarter of the Ohio State game just shows you what he is. And yeah, he, he you know, people are like, oh, he's salty, he's not going to the mic. I think that's what made him what he is, right? He's been told his whole life, you're not good enough to do this, or at least, you know, for college level. I think that attitude's what makes him think, yes, I can. And yeah, he comes off as you know, cocky Area. or a good swag, but. He was, he was incredible. I mean, he was flawless in that game. And even he said, like, his two runs, if you look at it, he didn't get it wasn't touched. Not only did he not get touched, block our guys couldn't find by the block. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> yeah, but I'm not sure. Listen, like, that's amazing. great. I love the end result. But a little bit of that's on TCU, too. Like, if they can't get someone out there to hit, I mean, that, that's on TCU, yeah. too. But not, you know, no, no, not taking any credit away from yeah, him. Yeah, but, but, I mean, he had six. Or a monkey. He, he accounted for six touchdowns in that yeah. game. Um, no one's debating. Yeah. You know, four MVPs and four playoff games. It's amazing. Big time players playing big time games, and and he stepped up to the occasion, uh, despite a lot of people giving him a hard time, even after he won. Um, and I'll be one of them over the years that have. Uh, yeah, he has uh, he he has won over the Georgia fan base for for a long, long time, for years to come. Uh, yeah, uh, I just hope that what we saw with some of the uh, little bit in the, that he learns to handle the media perhaps a little bit better. Dude, he's uh, going to be Ashley Schaefer BMW. I mean, it's gonna be, it's, <laughs> I, I think he was laying the groundwork for his future radio show, Steak and Stet. I mean, hey, it could be, but you know what? He I give it, but you know what? I give him credit for the confidence to step up and, and do it. Um, yeah, 
he's got a good future ahead of him, whether it's playing football or in the business world, because confidence is something that, that he does not lack. I agree with what you said, Sean. I think last year we won not because of him. This year, I think he was a huge part of the, mm, the, sure. the victory. Like, I don't know if we beat Ohio State without him. No. Um, I think we'd probably beat TC without him. Um, but he made, with 10 men. he made throw after throw after throw. And his arm talent, people throw the word elite around. I don't know if you say that, but if you look at some of the throws he made, putting him in windows where they thread, had to be. Thread the needle. And I think he's in a, like you watch, he's, he learned how to, you know, look off safeties to get, you know, that little window. And he, he, you're absolutely right. I mean, his throws, I, I wonder, his throws were great. It's going to uh, suck when he gets to a shittier team next year. <laughs> Well, that 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 have less talent around him next yeah. year. That brings up a good question: like, what is what do y'all think his next year looks like? Because last year we discussed he was going to enroll as a law student at yeah, UGA. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going to be doing that anymore. I think I think he he he. I don't think he gets drafted. I think he ends think up he getting a shot somewhere. And I actually think I don't know if he ends up on a full roster, but I think he at least ends up on a practice squad. Somebody's going to give him, yeah. You know, a shot based off of what they've seen because people like winners. And, and he's if Brock win. Purdy, if Brock Purdy can start in the NFL, so so can Stetson Bennett, but he's got to get in the right system. Sure. A Kyle Shanahan system would be actually be that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Best case scenario yeah. for him is he's Brock Purdy's backup next year. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, so. I, I think he gets drafted. I do too. I think I'll take the other sixth, side. I think I he's a sixth round, maybe seventh round draft pick. But I definitely agree he has to be on the right system for him to be successful. I, um, I have a hard time believing. No, no, that there's 90-plus quarterbacks on this planet that are better than him. I mean, is Baker Mayfield that different than Stetson Bennett? Is Kyler Murray. Is Kyler Murray that well, different than Stetson Bennett? Yes. Is, uh, really? Yes. How's Baker Mayfield that much different? Ba- well, Kyler, Baker Mayfield, Yeah, he's got a much stronger arm. He's a much bigger guy. He could, is he that much bigger? Yeah. He's got a much he's smaller brain. Who, I mean, <laughs> who's, our, who's the top quarterback from Florida, Felipe Lopez? I mean, Felipe Franks. Franks. But he's yeah, a tight end. Plays tight end. But I'm saying that guy got drafted as a quarterback and I mean, was terrible. He because. played snaps. I understand. I, mean, I understand they're a, different. I, I saw him in a preseason game yeah. play snaps in the NFL. If he can play snaps, Jake Fromm started the game play. in the NFL. Yeah, but you saw it went. <laughs> so going going down the list of, of big names, I think the MVP of the game of the of the program of the university is Kirby Smart. I think that as long as he is. At the head job, we were going to be where we are. And the, the excellence that he has built, the elite uh, program, it's just incredible. So yeah. thank God we have him. Um, what, what else can you say about Kirby Smart at this point? Well, I, and I hope Josh Brooks continues to give him the resources he needs. Because I think Josh Brooks realizes yeah. that the return on the investment is unbelievable. And, and we've got a great athletic director, too. Well, you heard last year, and I don't know if this is true, but the rumor I heard was, you know, his contract dragged on into the spring and, and it wasn't over money. It was over resources. He wanted the track. And, and, and that was what they were fighting over. Josh Brooks wanted to give him the track. And Jerry Moore, it's like, I don't know. What are we going to do with the track guys? You know how I feel about track guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I will say the from the track inside, the previous, we had a great, National Championship track coach, and he left because he actually wanted the same thing as Kirby wanted. Yeah. He wanted a new facility and didn't even want it. He just wanted them to say, we will build a facility off of a yeah. millage where the, millage. Where the soccer where the, yeah, and at some uh, point, And they won't make, they wouldn't make that commitment. So Kirby said so. Well, I think the issue has nothing to do with Kirby or the track team is they want a track on campus for girls to walk on it safe at night. And uh, I think that's sense. sort of been the issue why that track has not been moved. It has nothing with like the track team. 
issue. I think you could leave the track around the practice field. Well, nonetheless, listen, I think the the fact of the matter is that I think Jimmy Sexton's Kirby's agent, what's going to happen is they're going to fax over the same contract and they're going to blank out the amount of years and they're going to blank out the compensation and Jimmy Sexton's just going to fill it in in crayon. (laughs) It'll actually be a pencil so it can be erased. So next year when we get, when we're doing this again after Houston, we'll fill it out again. It'll be another 10 years, another $2 million. Let me ask y'all, I mean, Knowing how intense Kirby is, knowing how difficult things are a little bit different now with NIL transfer. I mean, we just lost our should have been our top returning wide receiver today because for NIL money. How how many years do you think Kirby can do this? Do you think he's so, Nick Saban, seventy years old, coaching at George? Do you think this just wears you out? I'm going to answer that backwards. Uh, I think there's no one better than Kirby at managing a roster, be it NIL portal, whatever. I think he adapts to all that. So I'll just say that. Second. Yeah, and I don't know because the guy does not look good. That's no. that, that's my biggest fear with Kirby. Like he's not going to go to another college job. No, right? He's not going to the NFL. He's not going to the NFL. Right. His skills don't translate. To they the don't NFL. translate well. So the only way we lose him is if he's just like, guys, I can't handle this anymore. Well, my so he made the comment that there's somebody in one of the articles about how he texted his wife before the game at some point. It was Sunday or <clears> Monday and said, you know, apologies that I haven't been around. You know, maybe you. Know, if somebody came at him in five to ten years with a big announcing job where he's home with the kids and but gone I mean, two days a week, he's, you know, he's making ten to twelve million a year. I mean, he can do this for five, six years. Doesn't need to get another job. Sure, it, it wouldn't surprise me if after like two, three more years, he's like, you know, I'm fifty. I got four national championships. I'm going to hand it over. Let someone else. But do it. you think that you know him being an alumni and played at Georgia? You know, has you know, does that give him longer than that? No, uh, no I, th- I think it's a matter of like health, and then he's going to want to be with his yeah. kids, and he'll he'll stay in Athens just like every other ex Georgia coach. Uh, he'll probably have a special advice seat on some sort of advisory board, and, and, Augusta and, and go from and go, and go from there. And you know what? And you know what? When he decides to step down, build the statue. Thank you, Kirby, and let's just you know, hopefully, we can find someone that's a suitable. Do y'all like how Zoe just joined the podcast? What's up, Zoe? So we just yeah. got up and wanted to hang out. Dogs are dogs. Um, so, so do you think Kirby has it in him to want to chase Saban? Because that would be that would be What's the Saban have seven. seven seven. Yeah, I mean it's only six. Well, more look, it's only six it's, more years of doing this. Well, I mean, <laughs> do you think when we, when there's a twelve team playoff, is it easier or harder for him to keep winning national titles? Right, because more opportunities will be in there, but also more games leads to more uncertainty. More yeah. freaky things can happen. Well, I think it's going to be harder for... Well, and NIL and the transfer portal or can even things up very quickly where a team that is close, yep, you can fill need like the NFL and free agency pretty quickly. Hey, how many rings does Kirby have in total with his time in Alabama and Georgia? I think someone said six. I think four at Alabama, two at Georgia. Was he not, was he not on the LSU He was staff? not on the LSU no. staff. So is our staff all coming back next year? I would be shocked if they are. Yeah, I. It just I, never I, happens. I don't know who's going to leave, yeah. but it just never. I mean, happens. obviously, lost a couple of us. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, the biggest name is is Schumann with the Alabama job. We're Munkin in the NFL. NFL. Yeah. You know, um, we can be fine without Glenn Schumann. No offense, because but yeah, losing Munkin would be pretty. What's What's Munkin set to make next year in Schumann? Two and a half. So here's Schumann makes eight hundred, eight fifty. Munkin will be, and he's going to get a raise. That's before his raise. But and so does Boom. They both make like eight fifty. Schumann is. Uh, I'm sorry. Munkin is over two. Yeah, Munkin is over two. Which he will not why make. Not, why are we not paying will, Boom a dollar and letting South Carolina yeah. pick up the gap? Munkin will not make what in the NFL what he makes at Athens. Correct. 
That's why I was wondering. And supposedly yeah. Munkin doesn't have the recruiting responsibilities that like a Schumann does. Uh, and that, that was kind of his deal with Kirby is he has staff to do more recruiting. So he's, he doesn't have to bust his ass on the road yeah, as much I saw as most of his season. Today, Bobo was actually out recruiting with Kirby, not Munkin. Right. We, we were well, laughing. Bobo can recruit. We were laughing about mm-hmm. the, the 10 for 10. You know, they wanted 10, college, 10 high schools or visit. Yeah. All to go to. We all took off more time after that championship game than Kirby did. And, and like, I, t- I took two days <laughs> off. Like, like, Kirby took off two hours <laughs> off. I'm like, Kirby, I took off more time than you yeah, did. And, and not to be morbid, but, you know, unfortunately, like, uh, probably the, the biggest tragedy of his career happened, you know, what, 48 hours ago or whatever. And he was back on the road recruiting this week. Yeah, does that, I mean, does, today. today does, does this sure change Kirby? Do sure y'all think, that, do y'all think this, this, this tragedy changes could. Kirby? I think it could. You, you never know how people are, you know respond to that. I think, unfortunately, it could. Um, and, I think if anything, it goes into what Lawrence said. You know, maybe he says, you know, at a certain time, I've done what I came here to do. Peace out. I've given, you know, a hundred hour weeks. Now it's time to go watch my own kids play football. Again, boys, enjoy it while it lasts. Right. Yeah. Enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy Kirby. Enjoy Brock Bowers. Enjoy this ride we're on because it ain't going to last forever. And well, speaking of that, it's fun. We called our shot one year ago to be here again this year. Looking next year to Houston, hopefully, We'll all gather back around and have the same discussion. Um, we lost 15 players in the draft last year, five first-rounders. What's it looking like this year? Who are we going to lose? Who, Sean, yeah. you're good this year. I took some like, notes, actually. Like who, yeah. who, so, so take it wherever you want, but what's yeah. going to be the transition to the next, the next squad? So, uh, you want offense or defense? So I think, I think that well, I'll take offense. All right, I think that's going to be the harder section. I think the defense. Ooh, he's be telling better. you that he's better at it? He's, he's, no, it's the hard one. what I mean is I think our <laughs> offensive line, and I hate to – you know, bring this up, but you know, Devin Wellcock was going to be a big part of that next year, right? Look, so, look. so we we're already losing. I think Van Pran hasn't said it, but I think all intentions he has declared to the going to be going to the draft. Obviously, we lost you know Broderick, and we're losing McClendon. So, right there, you're losing a big chunk of your offensive line. So, I think that's going to be the biggest piece to replace besides Stetson. Agreed. We're going to be better at wide receiver, you know, tight end, running back room still going to be great. It's just gonna it's gonna be the offensive line, which was amazing this year, right? I mean, like we said Stetson yeah. I think was stacked four times all season. Nah, it was like eight, nine nine sacks. Nine, 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 if you wanna ask you one question. Team. I don't know yeah. like, majority of them were you, in, you, but yeah. You kinda nailed it there, um, in terms of who who we're gonna lose to the yeah. NFL. So I've got Stet drafted, I've got K Mac, SVP, Broderick, yeah. McClendon. Darnell, maybe Karras, maybe Hot Pod. Hot Pod probably not. Well, Karras is transferring. No, he's not. No, he's, he's, he's going to be out. So, yeah. so, okay, Stet, Beck, let's, I'm, I, I say Beck's going to replace him. Does anybody disagree? So I, think, think, I think Gunner Stockton will okay. do the job. So I yeah. think Beck definitely comes out of spring as the leader. Gunner, yeah. I don't think, I think Vandergriff will not be on He'll the probably, team. I'm staying with my prediction that, that the quarterback not. is not yet on the okay. roster. Well, so with the offensive line, right? You've got uh, Ernest Green slotted to start at left tackle. You've got Mims, who's been awesome. Yep. He'll be a first-round draft pick after next year. Still Darnell, still have Ratledge. Darnell, yeah, but that's guards. You didn't yep. lose your, you didn't really lose your starting guards. Um, Darnell, he's gone. You're going to yep. get dealt, right? Who replaces Kenny Mack next year? So we don't, we don't have that third down. Back. That which is, we don't have that guy that you're on the wheel route. Which um, last year you had James Cook. That's so, going to be a big loss. Like so, that's something that has so been talking about. Paul, who awesome. tore his ACLs really fast, sure. Can he catch Roderick Robinson, who's coming in from California, is a big guy, but also fast. But I don't know. Can, can we, catch. we don't necessarily. You know, James have Cook. Him. They had James Cook work out in the spring before twenty one. They had him spend half the time with wide receivers. I believe they had K Mac do that this year. That's such a weapon to be able to split them out out of the backfield. So I'll tell you who played running back in high school who could feel that role if we didn't need him is Dylan Bell. 
And he, okay. he, he, he but did that. Are we going to give could, him the ball? You could use that as I, a third I hate down. Throwing right. shit. I mean, is he capable of taking well, a handoff? Well, third down. Right. I mean, he was down. running back in high school, so I think it was third yeah. down. For third down. Bob back. was a punter in high school. Yeah, true. I mean, All yeah. city. Yeah, I hate throwing shade at Kendall Milton, but I don't like the idea of him being the. He looked the good at the end guy. of the season. He, did. he, did. he was think, finally healthy in the yeah. season. He looked pretty good. When Branson is, Robinson's going to be good. And, to and me, Branson and, Robinson. But, got, and, but and, to your and point, I liked Asian. Yeah, you, I'm not, uh, yeah, I forgot about the Dejan only Dejan thing I don't like yeah. about the running back room is the lack of K Mac or James Cook. Besides that, I feel pretty good about it. Um, on defense, I did. I took some notes. So you're going to lose Jalen Carter, right? You're going to lose Nolan. Jalen's definitely a first round pick. Nolan, maybe. Uh, Keely, first round pick, Chris Smith, and Chris Smith, right? That's who you're losing. Robert Beal's gone as well. Does he get drafted? I don't know. So if, if all those guys get drafted, you got one, two, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven potential. So we have we've had three to one. four, three to four first rounders. Yep, and eleven people drafted, and so that yep. would be twenty six drafted and nine first rounders in the last. Yeah, two years. and but on defense, look, listen. You're not going to replace Jalen Carter. You can't even hope to. But you, Warren Brinson did look really good, right? Yeah, Bear uh, Alexander. So I, don't, I don't think they play the same position, uh, but nonetheless, they're two yeah. in, called inside tackles. Uh, Dare Smith and Marvin Jones, right, to replace uh, a Nolan Smith. Yeah. Hopefully, you know Nolan's. Mike Mikel has looked better and better. Yeah, but he's more of a, he's more of a, a defensive end sure. edge rusher. Um, Keely Ringo is going to be a big loss, but you keep saying Dalen Everett. Everett is, yes. is pretty good. He's he will step in that role. The only other thing I don't know is like who's taking over Chris Smith's spot. He wasn't the most physically talented, but the guy was a baller. We just got smoke, smoke, smoke. right? Yeah. You think he steps in at safety day one, or is it Tyke? And he played pretty well. Tyke is kind of little. Tyke is the only thing I realized watching. How big is Smoke? He is. But Malachi Starks is on the other side is probably two two hundred, you know, or so. You've got Javon Buller playing star. Yeah, Buller looks a beast. You know. Um, you know, Tresman Marshall's transferring, so our, yeah. our where's he going? Don't know yet. <laughs> um, but I think besides, you know, what we have coming back with Pop, we have Monday coming back. The, and they will be even better next what year. What was interesting was Xavier Sori, who was so good, didn't play the, like the second half of the season. Don't really know the story there if he's going to be part of the rotation coming in or not. But uh, we also have some studs. We do should this be better. Year. Yeah, let me really stop you better. right there because I went back and listened to a little bit of our podcast last year. And I, don't, I hate that we have to throw more bouquets to my man, Ugh. doctor over here. But we, we asked track star digging. We, we, asked you, we asked you about what names of recruits should we be looking for for this year. Yeah. And the two names you said were Bear Alexander and Mikael Williams. I'm yeah. saying that right, Mikael yeah. Williams. Both played huge roles in the national championship yeah. game. So uh, you I nailed that. Awesome. Uh, no credit uh, for a big bear over here. I mean, come on. You just like, I listen, listen part of it. Yeah. But I will say, we asked him, we asked him the question about recruits. So if, if you can do recruits as well as he can, it's all you. But oh, shit, no. Yeah, yeah. So, so same question next year, who are the names that we haven't heard yet? Yeah. So I think kind of based on needs, right. We were just talking about edge was sort of, uh, wasn't great this year. We do have some young guys who might step in, but I think we got the two top edge rushers coming in this yeah. year. Damian Wilson and Samuel Mpembe. I think both those guys will... Mbappe. Mbappe. Um, I think both of them will... Does he play soccer for France? Uh, so I think both of them will be studs. Um, I also think Jordan Hall on the defensive line out of Florida, huge well. So I think those three names to look at on the defensive side. Um, on the offensive side, huge wide receiver class for us, which we haven't had always in the past. Um, Tyler Williams out of Florida. See what he's fantastic. doing? He's blanking the board. 
so that no matter what it's happens, like, no, no, so that's right. like yeah, 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 yeah. And then, easy. And then I, one more. Okay. He's like, it's really easy when everybody's a four and five star recruit. Have you met my friend and, Glenn and, Burns? And then one more, <laughs> Anthony Evans, because we have he's adding speed that we haven't had other than um, Aaron Smith. So I all right, write it down. Steps. All right, Bob, we're in NIL season. We're in transfer portal season. Uh, what's your take on all this madness? I, I think it's ruining college football. Uh, I see why somebody, the reasoning why an AD Mitchell or someone like that will go in, but. I think it's really I, – I I thought the graduate transfer rule was a good way to allow folks to earn a degree and maybe go to a place where they could play for a year, not free agency. Um, and I think that's what it's become. I mean, and now the latest you hear about this kid down in Florida that didn't get his $13 million. And so he wants out of it. He wants out of his letter of intent. He wants to sue the university. He wants to sue this and sue that. Graham, Graham, Graham Mertz will solve, solve all of Florida's problems. He'll yeah. be fine with that. No, listen. I, I, think it's, I think it's ruining the game. So I disagree. Um, I, I don't uh, – again, this could be a whole other podcast and it's something maybe we'll do it at some point. But um, I think the combination of the portal, the one-time transfer, and, and NIL is like the 100-year storm in L.A. Uh, that being said, I'm all for – these kids being able to profit off their name image and like this, but it, there needs to be some, they need to be providing some sort of service or something for it. It shouldn't be an enticement to come to a university. It's just like, it's just like if you make a loan to somebody and the IRS wants to do it, it's got to be at you know, market terms. Yeah, right. Yeah. Earn your wages, do what you well, want, but like pay I the think, kids or put together a fund and give everybody the same amount of money at the, each level. I think well, the way the easy, and this won't solve everything, but I think it's a step is you say, you cannot get any NIL money, so you've been on campus for three months. So, so my point is, is that you can't entice them to come to you. And, and if you're caught doing that, or any of your boosters are caught doing that, then there aren't going to be actual well, I mean, consequences. Or, or even after, maybe after your freshman year. You know what? Make yeah. it make it like the pros. Sure. Go. Well, you know what? There's got to be some love, some guardrails in there because the there are none. There's, there's nothing, zero. right? No. There's tamp. There's tampering. There's the false NCAA promises. There's all. Yeah. Collectives are stupid. Also, there should they should outlaw collectives. Like again, if Josh Jay Stein Law Firm wants to go out and and they love Brock, he loves Brock Bowers. Who doesn't? And he wants to put Brock Bowers on a billboard. That's all for it. Brock Bowers is providing a service to Jay Stein Law Firm, and it, you know, it, quid pro quo. But just to be like, hey, like I like this dude. Here's one hundred fifty thousand to go to Georgia. I hope everyone get everyone gets burned in those scenarios because market conditions will regulate it. You would hope, right? And I think this this Florida thing. First of all, I don't believe this thirteen million dollar number. I think all these numbers are garbage. Some of them might be true, but I'd like to see someone get burned. Yeah, I want to see a lot of people get burned because it'll self-regulate. Enticing players to come back instead of going to the NFL. So yeah, we're going to pay you to stay for a year. I mean, come on. Well, man. I think that's okay. I think, you know, if someone's like, hey, it's worth it for me to go back to college. I can still make some more money and have my, my, get my degree. I like that idea. What I don't like is... You know, this kid from California yeah. shopping around between Miami, Florida, whatever, for the biggest you know deal. Where, and that's all I care so about. You know where NIL worked the best? There, Sean, what will end up happening, though, is all it's going to do is, is impact the NFL. And the NFL is just going to raise rookie minimums. And it's just right. going to get them up, up. And it will get them out. But you know what I think where, where it worked the best is our man Stet, right? He came back. And, and his NIL deals were legit. Like, and he's, he's working the crack He's slinging chicken fingers. I mean, he's he's like, adding hey, a value to Keynes yeah. for being there. Did you see the line around the corner? Do you want he does those milkman things. Does yeah. he, does he know the drop time on some curly fries? <laughs> sure he does. And that, to me, is how NIL should work. Right? Are you sure you want well, a sweet tea? And I think that was the mode behind it. But like you said, the NCAA let Congress and state legislators get ahead of them. So there was no rules. But if and, you want to – And you can't – 
You can't go back. <laughs> if you not want like to, Congress would have done a better job. If you want to put, you know, uh, Brock Bowers at Academy Sports and have him sign footballs for fifty bucks all day long, God bless. Go for it. It's better than get suspended for four games. Well, right, but I think that's <laughs> so. That was the garbage thing. Like you know, your AJ Greens, your Johnny Manziel. Let him go do that. Let him profit off that. But just these, like here, let me give you. Manziel in trouble. I think. No, he didn't. But he was Green did. Yeah, yeah. But my point is, is go do it. You know, provide some sort of. So bringing all this back to Georgia, I think that we're in such a fortunate situation that while all this is great conversation, AD is in the transfer portal and smoke's coming in, and it's like here. I think Lawrence, you put it best today. In Kirby, we trust. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like, whatever player here goes there, I think that we feel like, at the end of the day, our roster is going to be put into such a place that Kirby likes it and Kirby wants yep. it to be one. I, I know nothing from nothing, but I, I have a strong feeling that if Kirby wanted A.D. Mitchell to stay here, we would have found a way to keep him. I agree. Mitchell. I agree. Um, I feel like I think a lot of it's by design. If, you know, he's talking to a player and he's like, hey, you want to go? You think you can get more playing time elsewhere? I, you got my support. I'll call the coach, put in a good board for you. We'll get you an NIL like deal. Like an MJ and, Sherman. And we're going to go get somebody else. Or, or you know, I also think maybe what, whether he wanted him to stay or not, he knew that perhaps he wasn't going to stay, and that's why he brought him two insurance policies. Well, well, he knew, yeah, that Kirby, I, mean, I don't so think Kirby like, gets you know, taken by surprise. Maybe he's like, if you want to go, go. He isn't going to maybe make him stay. He probably just so, tells, these guys, tells these guys, you know, just, I'm here for you. Give me a heads up. We need time to plan, yeah. strategize, do whatever he, we need to do. Yeah. But if you wanted to keep AD Mitchell, we would have kept AD he, Mitchell. He wasn't. He's not like Gansy say. He's not surprised. Like we had this large amount of DBs in this recruiting class, and I was like, "That's weird. We have so many DBs on campus." Well, he knew Singletary was leaving. Right. He knew that Nylon Green's. You know, probably he knows that yeah. who's who's coming out and what who he needs to fill so, the slot. Sean, so. do you think in this portal thing, if if a Nylon Green comes to Kirby in November and says, "Hey, coach, I'm all in, but I really think I'm I'm, I'm out here at the end of the year." Can you help me? Do you think that that goes somewhere where he wants to stay loyal, where he knows that Kirby or one of the other, his position coach, can get him into a better spot yes, because they're yeah. going to call around? So I, mean, I, I don't I know think, if they call around, I, I, but, but, but they won't shit on him. Whereas yeah. some of them are like, you don't want this guy, man. He's bad. News. I also, but I also think it goes the other way. Like Guys like Smoke go to A&M, and Kirby calls him and says, best of luck, Smoke, if you ever need anything. Give me a call. If it doesn't work out at AM, give me a call. When I mean, you're on top of the mountain, people want to climb. But guess who yeah. does this? It's not Kirby. It's all that it's recruiting his, staff. It, yes. and, and when I say Kirby, yeah, yeah, it's, I know, the, it's I know. the Imperial Kirby. I know, I know. But he, he, we're very fortunate because of all the resources that he has a staff probably as big as his team. Yeah. And, and so they're able to sort of manage that. They're able to be in these kids' ears 365 days a year. Hmm. Lawrence, you do a good job of having your finger on the pulse of other teams' fan bases. Salty. Who's the most saltiest? You, you, you like to kind of get them going on text messages. So between Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Auburn, Tech. Oh man, what are they feeling about Georgia right now? Hands down, hands down, the Ohio State fan base is the saltiest. I mean, they are Dead Sea salty, baby. They, uh, they I mean, they they think they outplayed us. They think they won the game. They think that national title is theirs. We cheated. Uh, we, yeah, we had it was Homer. The refs were homers. Uh, it was targeting. It was this. It was that. I've heard that Kirby actually ordered the code red on Bullard to knock out Marvin Jones. You know, that was planned. Did you or did you? Marvin not? Harrison. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Ohio State fans are the saltiest. Uh, and then I think it's just a big level of jealousy across everybody else. I think um, Florida's the most depressed, though. Yeah. They, they, their program is going such a, you know, the wrong direction. They're watching us live. We're living their 90s, but better, right? Kirby has more national ties than Steve Sperger did in his whole career. So are we 
at the level or are we getting close to the level of, of the Patriots of the world, of the Yankees of the world, where people yeah. are just like not rooting for us to keep winning? Yes, Correct. we're there. No, no one likes us but us. We're a likable team, I would say, I think. Um, you would think that you'd think like the Stetson story would, you know, make well, it I don't think on. Let me caveat what you said. No like, one likes us but us. Not true. Other college football fans will root for another team versus us, but people that don't know shit about shit love the Yankees. They love the Lakers. They love the Cowboys, right? That's who we are. So, so you know, Joe Smith in New Jersey that doesn't know dick about dick is now wearing a Georgia G. We're bandwagon city. Yeah. I think that the power G is just popping up all over the place now. It's just, I mean, the brand couldn't be stronger. We, we talk about how it's actually neg- negatively impacting our children's ability <laughs> to, to, to get to there. school there because everybody loves Georgia. And why would you not? Yeah. But yeah, so I, I think, was it, uh, was it Herb Street or was it Pollock last week that said Georgia wins this game, Georgia wins this national championship? Pollock, the game, said it the game day signs next year are now going to be we, we, want, Georgia, we want Georgia. Georgia. Yes. So we're yeah. the top of the mountain. We're the team that people are going to be rooting for to lose next year. Uh, and guess what? Spoiler alert: We ain't losing. It's good to be the case. But so, I will also you guys say, guess schedule for next year. I don't, yeah, our schedule mm-hmm. is cupcake. It's cupcake city. Yeah, we got our first game is uh, September thirtieth at <laughs> Auburn, which probably won't be a game, right? I think our first game is week eleven against uh, in Neyland State. Yeah, well, that, that's what I said. Then we play. Uh, you know, look, the Florida game, weird shit could happen in Jacksonville. I think Florida's going to be a dumpster fire next year. Sunbelt, Sunbelt Billy, I don't think has it going in the right direction. <laughs> he doesn't have a quarterback. He now. does not have a quarterback. He's got Graham Mertz on up 13 million bucks, technically. <laughs> and then we go to Neyland on November 18th, which is weird. That's the Saturday before Thanksgiving. A weird time to be playing Tennessee. But, you know, look, hopefully Carson Beck or... Uh, uh, I think we have Ole Miss and Athens like the week we do, before. We do, we do, we yeah. do. I mean, in Athens, you feel pretty good about it. I don't know who's going to be. You got the Lion Train. You never know. Well, they yeah. just got a Walker, the kid from LSU. Yeah, LSU just transferred to. Yeah. But Josh, back today. back to your original question. I had a Michigan fan tell me today that he's actually now happy they lost to TCU. So they didn't have to get their ass kicked by Georgia. <laughs> Again, that's respect. <laughs> Again, all right. The answer to this question is yes or no. Do the dogs play the national championship in Houston next year? C. Yes. Yes. I'll be there. Running back. Five for five. I'm going to say yes, too. Um, So a a back-to-back, that puts you in some rarefied air. I mean, historically, I don't know who wants to put in some context, but the the idea that a three-peat is legitimately a possibility, where does that put us just on the map of just sports teams? I mean, I think it makes Kirby Smart the equivalent of John Wooden. Yeah, it's yeah. like since the 30s. I think Tom was the one who came up with the stat. It was like Minnesota, Minnesota did it. 1934 through 1936. And then Jesse Ar- Owens was on And then the Army team. did something in the 40s, but it was like during World War II. So, it's, you know, yeah. there was all those multiple yeah. national titles. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't happen, right? I mean, I even think that we're people put in the category that Bama did it, Nebraska did it. I don't give USC credit for it because they did not win two BCSs. But, I mean, that's the teams that – did what we've done since the 1970s. All right, next question. When we go back in 20 years and listen to this this podcast, what was the one play or one moment from this season you're always going to remember, Lawrence? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think the Chris Chris Smith uh, blocked field goal return for a touchdown in the SEC championship game, uh, and then Jalen Carter holding up, uh, what's his face, Jalen Daniels, I guess. Well, since you took that one, I'll go in a different direction. Uh, this he, did, he did grab two. Gandrel will take two. Gandrel will take two. Yeah. So I will say um, Brock Bowers catching that funky ball against Florida for 78 yards. That'll be shown forever. Yeah. The timeout versus Ohio State. 
Good, Good call, Bob. Good so for me, it's not a single play, but it was Tennessee game. How we had we had a fumble, and then they settled for a field goal. And like I think they were so nervous going that game, and once they settled for a field goal, I was like, we're going to win this game. And that to me was the biggest step all season was. The smackdown that we get Tennessee. I think you're going to talk about the missed field goal. So that was mine. Mine, yeah. mine was watching that game on TV here at the house with with folks over here. All our kids were awake. It's midnight. We we you know, shirtless overtime rules were enacted because there was less than five <laughs> seconds left. And like I think that's the moment when all of our kids like really realize like the special nature of what was going on. And, and oh, the, the dads are crazy. And the dads are crazy. <laughs> and and the, but but the community nature of all of us yeah. coming together over a not a stupid football game, but over a football game. Yeah, yeah. So that's something that, that I'll always remember. Um, and then in terms of like you know how how were those wings? Wings are good. Wings are good. Wings are really good. So shout shout out to Kyle's cooking. Good we spice. Had, oh, we man. had those those wings were prepared for a uh, this is my second podcast of the day. I'm what can I say? The hardest working podcast. Leftover wings. Podcast. Yeah, I got the leftover wings. All right, last question to mark the tape. Um, you have to name who's going to be the starting quarterback week one next year. Carson Beck. Carson Beck. I say Carson Beck as well. I'll go Gunner Stockton. I'm about to say someone's got to take yeah. the other side of this. I'll take um, Gunner Stockton. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to my the person is not yet on the roster. Well, can I ask you a follow up question? Then? Does it matter? I don't think it does. That that that's kind of my point with all the transfer portals and this and that. Like I'm not so sure one through twenty two matters because, like I said, bring it, back Jake Daniels. If if, if Tom Munkin, if Tom Munkin can turn five foot seven, one hundred and forty five pounds, Stetson Bennett into a Heisman finalist, what can he do with a six foot four, two hundred twenty pound gunslinger with a calf tat? Well, well, Jake, the, the calf tat does, does get into your calf. It really bothers me. Your crawl doesn't. Off the roof for a guy. He's from Florida. Yeah. <laughs> no, is Jacksonville? That says a lot. Can, can Beck run? Because yeah, I feel like we saw the mobility part of Munkin's office a little bit this year, and I think I wonder if that's something he's want to stick with in the future. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, TBD, right? I, I think he can. They say he's got some wheels. He's got a cannon. He looks the part. Except for the calf tat. He looks, like Napoleon, he looks like Napoleon Dynamite. Listen, I thought he was going to transfer out two years ago, so the fact that he's stuck around this long. Maybe it's I, because I'm, nobody else I, I'm, pull, him, I'm pulling for him to come through. He can sit that I feel like he's waited his turn. I'm pulling for him. I hope that, that uh, he lives up to his billing as yeah. but you would expect from rivals. To right? steal to steal. Yeah, I mean, he Larry. wasn't. He he wasn't great his freshman year. I mean, I think we saw like, oh, this guy can't play for us. But yeah, the little bit of time we saw him play this year, you saw moments that, yeah, I think he's going to be, you know, more than serviceable. In Kirby, we trust, and Munkin, we trust, right? Yeah. Again, so look what he did with Stat. That's it, boys. Great time, great season, great memories, great games, great everything. Let's let's shut it down with every person giving their final closing statements. We, we say give 30 seconds for a minute. Tom Bluthum takes 10 minutes, but, you know, whoever wants to start, just whatever you want to say about the season, about the team, about next year, about how you feel as a Dogs fan right now, open dialogue. To quote the great Jason Gans, it's good to be the king. And expensive to be the and king. And expensive to be the king. Good was, and expensive to be the king, and I'll see you in H-Town. It was an awesome season. Um, it, was a, it was a hectic season. It was a lot of running around, catching games on cell phones and soccer fields and Tape delay and all that other shit, but uh, being able to head out to L.A. to experience the coronation, um, man, I'm enjoying it. And so we're going to keep this thing going, and I just need to know where to book an Airbnb or a hotel or where to get late-night pizza in Houston next year. Their version of Red and Louis. Red and Larry's. Let's rock and roll. 
Um, for me, you know, amazing season. I started off the Oregon game with my two boys, you know, sitting there watching that whooping. And I was like, wow, you know, Munkin really has it going to finish off the season with you guys in LA, the same kind of thing. I mean, I don't think we even mentioned that the 58 point margin victory was the largest victory or margin victory in any bowl game ever in 1500 games. And that's what we saw in the national championship game. I mean, it's just insane where this program is from where we were when we were in college showing up at halftime when we were down by uh, you know, 21 points already. So this is pretty exciting time to be a dog. Yeah. I'll echo what, what Sean just said. It's a great time to be a dog. Um, excited. I think the future is bright. Um, go dogs. I said, good to be a KC in Houston. <laughs> My kids aren't yet asleep. Can we get you to call the dogs one last time this season? We won't leave you hanging dry. I say I won't. Maybe these guys will. They probably call the dogs one more time. What's that coming down the track? What's that coming down the track? A mean machine dressed in red and black. A mean machine is red and black. Ain't nothing finer in the land. Ain't nothing finer in the land. Than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Go dogs! Go dogs! Go dogs! Go dogs! Go Y'all, hey. thanks for listening. Go dogs, keep chopping. See y'all in Houston. Figure out the what's that versus who's that. <laughs> what's it? Not who's that. <laughs>